May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Again, it's Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 31. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out... Oh, that's not right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and he, as he was setting on, on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children's and lands, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last verse. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Just came from uh, that retreat in Troy, and we were, one of my messages was on the prodigal son story, and so w when we got to verse 17, it says, as he was setting out on his journey, for a second, I just had this weird thing. I was like, did I mix the wrong scripture? So sorry about that. But anyways, uh, we're back. <laughs> uh, friends, we are continuing our sermon series, The Story of Jesus, uh, which is us going through the entire Gospel of Mark. And I mentioned this uh, two weeks ago, uh, that one of the blessings and difficult things as a uh, preacher going through an entire book is you don't get to skip anything. And so two weeks ago, uh, we had the joint service, so um, I didn't preach last week, but two weeks ago, uh, we had talked about divorce. And we talked about how that is kind of a difficult subject to approach. Um, and this week, we are talking about money. And maybe in some ways, that's even more difficult for some of us. Uh, but I think at the same time, um, oftentimes these messages or these passages that are so challenging can really bear a lot of fruit. So that's my hope in uh, talking about this. And today's message is called Treasure. And I, I couldn't help think of this story, uh, well, this movie that uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys have watched. Have you seen the movie Aladdin? Raise your hand if you've seen the movie Aladdin. 
there, almost everyone. Some of you, you should go see it. It's great. It's a good movie. It's a good time. Even if you're not a kid, it's kind of a kid's movie, but adults enjoy it too. Um, there's this scene in Aladdin where they're going to get a treasure. And so what happens is Aladdin is this thief who's supposed to take uh, the genie's lamp from the Cave of Wonders. And the Cave of Wonders is guarded by this mystical sand lion. And the lion says, uh, by the way, I'm just going to paraphrase this. I, I don't know word for word, but it says something like, do not take anything but the lamp or you will die. That's what I remember. At least. And so they go down there and the Cave of Wonders is just littered with treasure. There's gold and rubies and sapphires and sparkling jewels all around them. And Aladdin is focused and he goes and he gets the lamp. Well, his little monkey Abu is looking around and out of the corner of his eye, he gets, his attention gets diverted by this sparkling ruby. And he looks at the sparkling ruby and he just wants it. He's just drooling. And he's just like possessed. He just starts, ah. And uh, this magic carpet, which apparently its tassels can work like a hand, but the tassel reaches out and tries to grab the monkey to keep him from touching the ruby because he knows that it's certain death. But the monkey just, even though the, the, the magic carp is trying to keep him back, he just, ah, ah. And eventually, Abu grabs it. And the, the sand lion goes nuts, and they almost die, and I won't ruin the rest of the movie for you. But, friends, I think that that is an accurate portrayal of what treasure does to us. This kind of possession you know, we talk about possessions in this world, but in many ways, possessions possess us. We can't help it. We want it. We'll do anything to get it. And this is the, another thing about treasure that you hear about very often. You ever hear anyone describe hidden treasure, right? Like a pirate will get a, you know, a treasure chest and they'll hide it somewhere on a desert island. They'll bury it, right? In scripture, it actually talks about treasure being hidden in a field. It's supposed to be the kingdom of God. Uh, but it's hidden in a field and somebody accidentally finds it. And it's just overjoyed. Why do people hide treasure, friends? Why do people hide treasure? People hide treasure because it's so valuable that we're afraid that someone will take it from us. And of course, we have banks and we have all kinds of ways to hide away our treasures. You know, uh, I, I know for... <laughs> Uh, you know, just speaking as a uh, Korean-American, I, I have heard that this is not an unusual thing. But I think, like, my parents didn't, like, fully trust banks. And so they would just keep money just hidden in the house in different places. And so when I was in high school, we were moving houses. And um, we had this moving company that was helping us. And this guy just goes up to uh, my mom and, and, and hands, him, hands her this... Uh, wrinkled, tattered envelope. My mom opens it and inside is $1,000 in $100 bills. And she's like, what is this? And he said, we found this under a desk while we we're moving the desk. And so what it was is my mom had hidden money all around the house just in case, rainy day, and she had forgotten about it, right? I wonder how much money would have to be in that tattered envelope for her not to forget about it, right? But apparently my mom rolls like that, $1,000. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't even remember that being there. 
you know? And, and my mom was blown away. And she's like, I can't believe you're giving this back to me. And, and what, what the guy said was, he said, our reputation is just worth more than a thousand dollars. Oh, that's a good line. It's like, so the way you can repay us is go tell your friends. Go tell your friends what happened. Right? And I was like, oh. And that's interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll circle back to this, but it's interesting. To him, his reputation is a treasure. It's worth more than a thousand dollars. He can gladly give that thousand dollars back. His reputation is worth more. Interesting, right? So there's something there that sometimes when you have a treasure, it can free you to give away the other things that maybe other people would consider, consider treasures. Most people would consider treasures. But treasure can be freeing in that way if you have the right treasure. So, getting ahead of myself, but yeah, we hide things, right? And friends, maybe, um, you know, for us, we don't really know what that means in our life, but let me give you an example of maybe a treasure or different treasures that, um, in, in the ways that we hide it, that's a little more subtle. Um, so let's say your treasure is a guy or a girl, right? Like you, you, there's this person, you're infatuated with them, you like them. They, they set your heart aflutter, right? When you think about them, your, your, your heart starts pounding, it makes you giddy. Oh, I just, oh, that person's so wonderful. Now, this is the thing. To tell other people that is really embarrassing, right? Like if your friends knew that, that you were scoping out that person, man, they would be merciless, right? They would tease you so much, like, oh, you're pathetic. You know, <laughs> look at that person. Woo! You know, so, so you hide it, right? You, you just kind of play it cool. You're like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Oh, oh what's up? You know, you see that person. You got to play it off. You got to be smooth. You got to hide it. Right? And friends, I think that in even more uh, insidious ways, sometimes we hide things because we're afraid that someone will take it from us. It's like the buried treasure. Right? And so, you know, alcoholics, um, this is a very common thing for addicts. That when your treasure is the substance, it's the thing that helps you forget, you crave it, you want it, a very common tactic to not get it taken away from you is to deny that it's your treasure, right? So if someone's like, oh, man, you know, you've had a lot to drink tonight. You'd be like, oh, no, I didn't. You'd be like, oh, it's no big deal. I've got this under control. I'm not an addict. I can give it up at any time. What are you doing, friends? You are hiding the treasure in many ways from yourself from your own awareness, right? It's a clever trick that a lot of us do so that those things won't get taken from us. I think we do it to God. I think for many of us, to admit that money or power or career or a relationship is your treasure, it's very dangerous because you're like, oh man, God's going to take this from me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to act like it's no big deal. Hmm. See, Pastor Steve, I'm just a driven person, and you know what? I'm going to give that money to the poor, you know? And so I want to succeed so that, uh, you know, I can just be in a position to bless more people, right? And maybe that's true, friends. Maybe we're a mix of motives. But I think for a lot of us, 
We don't even want to acknowledge that treasure. But friends, just a, a few things, just to think about. With treasure, I think um, it has a disproportionate effect on your life. A lot of the things that we mention, even money, even you know, a job, another person, those things are not bad. But what makes them dangerous is when they take a place in your life that they're not supposed to have, right? And one of the ways that you find this, that they've taken a place that they're not supposed to have, is when these things um, are taken from you, right? Or the threat of it, and it floors you, it devastates you. But friends, I, I just want to just file that away, and, and just to say that if you think you don't have a treasure, it's okay. Okay. Brothers and sisters, there may be a time where God wants to take that treasure from you. But I want to assure you that if God does that, it will be out of love. We're, we're going to see that in this passage today. And if you think you don't have a treasure, that's okay. We're not going to pry because you're probably not going to be able to admit it. You've, you've, you've played that game well. <laughs> you've hidden it well from your own consciousness. And that's okay. But let's take a look at a story that is about treasure. And friends, very interestingly, uh, we have these two stories that are melded together. And I kind of love going through the book of Mark uh, in its entirety, because sometimes we get to see two stories that we don't think are that related, but we get to see them back to back. We get to see how maybe they are related. So first we start with the story of Jesus and the children. And they're bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. We often talk about what it means to be a child of God. Right? And, and I think it's something we hear so often that we forget the significance in everyday life and what it might cost you to be a child of God. Uh, because children in this society, it, well, especially, well, maybe not in this society, we, we put children on a pedestal, but definitely in biblical times, children were not as respected as adults, right? Maybe in some of the, the you know, uh, the circles you run with, this is definitely true, right? That, you know, you would look at an adult, if an adult were to come in who was really well-dressed and had great status and power and money, you know, you'd bend over backwards. But if a little snotty-nosed kid came in, you'd be like, get out of here, kid, you know? I mean, you might think they're cute, but you might dismiss them as being not important. And that seems to be what's happening here. Uh, people are bringing their children for Jesus to bless them, and the disciples rebuke them. It's almost as if they're saying, yo, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus is kind of a big deal. His time is precious. Oh my gosh, he keeps talking about death and dying, so we don't even know how long we're going to have him. right? He's got important things to do, saving the world and saving us from our sins and all that. He doesn't have time for these little kids. But Jesus doesn't play that game. He says, let the children come to me. He was indignant. He's like, man, you guys don't get it. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, 
who ju- whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Right after this, friends, we are going to get the rich young ruler. This man who has money, and he's a ruler, so he has status, and he has power. All things that we earn through the course of our life, you know, and for many of us as adults, we live our lives to earn these things, to get this status. We feel like we're a big deal. We dress like we're a big deal. We spend money like we're a big deal. And yet Jesus, he says, none of that really matters when you come to me. You need to be like a child. What what do children really have? Especially the really young ones. I know that as kids get older, they learn very well from our society and from our sinful nature to say, mine, mine, right? They want to possess things just like they see mommy and daddy possessing things, right? But when you're younger, man, the world is your playground. You don't have anything. You don't have great things. You're just out in the world and you're just enjoying it. You're playing in the field with crickets and, you know, skipping rocks, you know, and you just are. You're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about all the things you have to do. You're not thinking about paying your taxes. You just are. And there's something really beautiful about that. Something about stripping away all those things that we try to use to define us, to build our reputation and our identity. Mm, I'm kind of a big deal, Jesus. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> no. You can't have that in the kingdom. Because if you think you're the ruler, who does that make me? If you think you're the one in charge, then what about the kingdom of God? Who is the king in the kingdom of God? God is, not you. You've got to strip away your feelings of self-importance, your desire to rule your own kingdom. And sometimes that means stripping away our treasure. That's what we see in the next story. And by the way, I, I don't want to skip this because it's beautiful. Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed them. He laid his hands on them. I love that. Other people say, mm, these children aren't important enough. They can't get close to Jesus. Keep them out. His own disciples misunderstand what the kingdom is supposed to be about. Mm, it's going to be about power and importance. And Jesus says, hey, you see those little kids? Bring them here. I want them to be close. Without their status, power, money, doesn't matter. I just want to love them and enfold them and embrace them and touch them. It's beautiful, beautiful. Kingdom of God is a beautiful thing. And then we see the story of this young man who we often call in other, sto- in other versions of this in the Gospels, the rich young ruler. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and he knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we know that this man is rich, right? And friends, I want you to pay attention to something. We're going to go through this list of commandments, and these come from the Ten Commandments. Mark is the only one who does this, by the way. But I want you to notice, um, do you ever, like, like, look at those pictures. Um, Highlights magazines used to do this, where it's like, what doesn't belong in this picture? You, you guys know what I'm talking about? 
It'll be like, what is off? And like, you'll just see like a normal scene, like a family room. But the woman, like, like the mom is like talking on the phone, but instead of a phone, it's a banana. You're supposed to circle the banana. Like, banana's not supposed to be there, right? So I want you to pay attention at this scene and tell me what command does Jesus add? It's not supposed to be there, okay? Let, let's see if we can catch this. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Friends, did, did, you, did you see it? Which one is actually added? It's actually not part of the Ten Commandments. Anyone see what it is? Okay, some of you, defraud. Yes, defraud. Yes, that's it. It's not in the Ten Commandments. Jesus seems to add it. Now, you know, you're like, okay, Jesus is taking these liberties. Defrauding, if you think about it, right, to like, you know, kind of pull a fast one on somebody to take their money or to get ill-gotten gains, in a way, it's a form of lying, right? But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, do not defraud. And a lot of scholars who are a lot smarter than me and have done more research on this say that perhaps the reason why Jesus did that is he is trying to point out a particular sin of this young man. It would have stuck out like a sore thumb. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, is very sacred to the people of Israel. If you add something to the Ten Commandments, it was going to stick out, right? And this rich young ruler doesn't even skip a beat. He doesn't acknowledge it. He just says... Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus looks at him, looks at him, looks straight at him. And he loves him and says to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Friends, what, what does defrauding have to do with this rich young man who cannot get rid of his possessions, cannot let go of them? So friends, if this is true, that this young man um, got some of his money by being dishonest, you got to think about that for a second. Why would he do that? This is a guy who's trying to honor God. And, you know, Jesus actually doesn't refute a lot of the other stuff that he points out. He's like, oh, okay, well, one thing you lack then. And this will actually take care of the defrauding part. You need to give away your possessions. Right? And so, friends, this is the thing. This man cannot do it. Right? And remember, we said that this is how you know what treasure is. If it gets taken from you, you feel like it's a little death. You feel like your world is falling apart. You can't do it. Right? It's the addict who makes excuses. Mm, you know, oh, I could totally give it up if I wanted to. I just don't want to. Well, why can't you? Maybe because it's your treasure. And, and this is the thing, friends. I think this is an insight to this brother's heart that he treasures this so much that he'll do anything to get that wealth, even defrauding people. 
And so, even though he's trying to be this God-fearing man, you know, he treasures money so much that he will be dishonest to gain it. And so, the kicker is when Jesus says, the one thing you lack is get rid of those possessions. Give it away. Give it to the poor. Then, come follow me. And friends, remember what this guy asked in the beginning. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? And you think about sort of the trade-off. You know, a few possessions that you have on, on this just, you know, sliver of time. If you think about all eternity, right? Thousands, millions, billions, trillions of years. What is 30, 40 years more of your life? and the possessions you get to enjoy in this life. You can't take it with you, right? It's a pretty good trade-off if you think about it, right? Jesus, who is the Son of God, who can bring people back from the dead, who can multiply fish and loaves, he has proven that he is the Son of God in the eyes of these people. And Jesus says, if you want an eternal life, give away those little petty possessions you have in this little sliver of time, and then you can enjoy eternal life forever. And this man cannot do it. It's sad, isn't it? And remember, friends, when Jesus is saying this to him, he's not saying it to be cruel. He's not saying it because he wants to torture this man. He's looking at him, and he's loving him. It's like Jesus is saying this, the most loving thing I can do for you is to set you free from your slavery to these things. Man, you will lie, cheat, and steal. You'll do whatever it takes to get this money you already have. You've broken people's lives to get your money. I mean, it is eating you alive. Let me set you free. Let me love you in this way. Get rid of it. And come follow me. And this man just walks away. Because Jesus had hit the nail on the head. That was his treasure. That was his treasure. He would not let Jesus take it from him. Friends, it, it's very interesting because the way that Jesus is going to talk about this, I, I, I want to point out something else because you may have heard messages like this. But in the kingdom of God, and in the gospel of comedy, when you possess nothing, you have everything. That sounds like a fortune cookie thing, right? <laughs> like, that just sounds like too good to be true or just something pithy that someone says. But friends, I want you to think about that for a moment. You're taking notes, write that down so you can process this later. When you possess nothing, you have everything. Friends, seriously, take me up on it challenge you. Is that true? When you, have, when you possess nothing, you have everything. Let's take a look at the rest of this passage. The disciples were amazed. They're stunned uh, uh, because Jesus says how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And he says again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. A rich person. Somebody who holds on to their wealth. 
And they were astonished. And they said to him, then who the heck can be saved? That's the Steve revised version of that. Who can be saved? Oh my goodness, this is so hard. And Jesus looked at them, at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are impossible with God. Friends, I don't want this passage, that, that particular verse to let you off the hook. A lot of people will read that and say, see, you can have great wealth and God can save you. Now, I posit that that is logically true, but check out what Peter says next. He says, see, we have left everything and followed you. Peter understood what Jesus was saying. There is no getting off the hook here, right, about possessions. Remember, we really like to hide away our treasures. So people really latch on to the, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And then we dismiss everything we just heard. We dismiss Jesus' challenge to the young man, saying, you got to give it all away, and then come follow me. You can have all things. I know Jesus doesn't say that. <laughs> but he does say this. After Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. He's not saying after you die. He's not saying when the kingdom comes in power and Jesus comes again. He says now. In this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Friends, I just want you to see how Jesus does not hedge this. He says, truly, Jesus is the Son of God. God, through Jesus, when he spoke a word, he made all of life. Words are important for Jesus. He does not spend them unwisely. So when Jesus says, truly, hmm, you got to pay attention. Truly, I mean it. I mean it. There is not a single person. There is no one who has left these things, given up their house, or their brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the, in the age to come, eternal life. This can get prosperity gospel real quick, right? You can be like, see, God's going to give you lots of stuff. If you give away your stuff, then you're going to get a hundred times back. But there's a few problems with this. Number one... <laughs> Jesus slips in a word that you cannot ignore, and it is the word persecutions. You know, persecutions. People are going to not always treat you well. You're going to have suffering and difficulty. That kind of points to the fact that maybe what Jesus is offering isn't necessarily lots of wealth and property and things of that nature in the way that we think about it. Friends, another clue is when you think about... <laughs> the disciples, right? Were these rich men? When, when they gave up their fishing boat, did Peter get a hundred fishing boats back? He just had like a whole fleet of fishing boats, 
right? Were these guys filthy rich? Mm-mm. No, they weren't. We have no indication of that, right? So what is Jesus talking about? What is he talking about getting a hundredfold back? Friends, there is also another huge clue. You might get really focused on houses, but it's pretty clear that the disciples did not own a hundred houses each, right? But then it gets a little weirder. And brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands. I mean, as a, a Christian, have you ever met someone who has a hundred mothers? Right? A hundred brothers, a hundred sisters, a hundred lands? What, what is he talking about? Friends, remember what I said. If you possess nothing, you can have all. I think this is what Jesus is talking about. When you possess something, you're always in fear that you're going to lose it. You've got to hold on so tightly to that thing. And by the way, when that becomes your treasure, you get so fixated on that, it makes you miserable. I mean, you can't be happy until you get that thing. And by the way, when you get that thing, it's actually not that great. It doesn't give you all the things that you thought it was. It doesn't make your life instantly better. I mean, seriously, just look at the lives of billionaires and millionaires. Yeah, they have lots of things. They don't have this existential contentment and peace that only God can give. They don't. If they did, then why do they keep striving? Why do some of these guys hang themselves in their houses? And do mind-numbing drugs to try to escape reality if their reality is so great. But this is the thing, friends. Have you noticed, I've talked about this before, but when other people are doing well, and you have this treasure that you're seeking, and you will do anything to get it, anything to get it, have you noticed you can't be happy for other people? Have you noticed that? Like someone posts on Facebook, I got into medical school! And you got to have that obligatory post where you're like, congratulations, but you're trying to get into medical school. And there's part of you that's like, mm, well, I'm happy for you, little braggart. Got to brag on Facebook, make all of us feel bad. Right? You can't be happy for them. Why? Why? Because maybe in a way, your possessions or your desire for possessions is possessing you. You can't enjoy those things. And in a lot of ways, we feel like, I got to have it. I have to possess it. If I don't possess it, then I don't truly have it. I can't truly enjoy it. Jesus says, when you give away those things, you can receive a hundredfold. You know, one of the most valuable things in this world are diamonds, right? What makes a diamond valuable? What makes it valuable? I mean, well, to be honest, what makes it valuable is that it's rare. But do you enjoy diamonds? I do. I got to tell you, they're beautiful, right? And why are they beautiful? Because they sparkle, right? But friends, did you know that a diamond does not sparkle? It reflects light. And light is always there. By the way, there's lots of things that sparkle. Do you ever see glass sparkle? Any of you like... Oh my gosh, I must have that glass. <laughs> I will pay any price to have that glass. You know what else sparkles? Ice and water. 
man, there are times where I, I go to the park, and, and you know, for those of you who have heard me talk about my daily routine, I like to go to the park every day. And when I'm paying attention, when I'm not so focused on chasing my kingdoms, my glory, my little treasures, I can notice, I'm aware. And, and there are times where I'm, I'm looking at, uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I know a lot of the snow has melted now, but a few weeks ago, um, the, the Huron River was completely frozen over. It was kind of cool because, like, like there's this weird thing that would happen where, um, as you know, in Michigan, it would like warm up and then it would like refreeze and warm up and refreeze. And so the surface of the water was like all cracked, right? And so what ended up happening was when the sun would shine on that cracked surface, it just lit up in sparkles. And I remember looking at that and I'm like, man, that is more beautiful than any diamond I've ever seen. It is more beautiful. For that diamond, man, people will sacrifice and cheat and steal and swindle and morally compromise to get those things. And even if you're not morally compromising, man, you will spend a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and money to get that little tiny rock (laughs) that reflects the same sun that shines on all of us. And you think you gotta have it. And friends, I'll tell you what. I didn't need to have that river to enjoy it. I didn't need to possess it. Right? I could just enjoy it. <laughs> I'll leave it here. It'll be here when I get back. Right? I'm going to leave it for other people to enjoy. Oh my gosh, I wanted to bring other people to that park and just be like, man, I know you're hustling. I know you're doing all this stuff. And you are just sick to your stomach because you're just so stressed out and nuts trying to earn all this money and trying to get all of these things for what? So you can buy one of those sparkly little things? Oh my gosh, it's already here. So enjoy. When you possess nothing, nothing possesses you. You can be happy for all people. Their successes can be your successes. Right? You don't have to possess a person. Mm, you're mine. I always thought that was creepy. Like, like you know those Valentine's Day hearts? Where it's like, you're mine. Is that supposed to be romantic? That's creepy, man. That's possessive. It's like stalker stuff. Every step you take, every move you make, every breath you take, I'll be watching you. That's creepy, man. But if you can possess nothing, like, oh my gosh, I don't need to possess that person. You can just enjoy them. You know? You can have a hundred mothers. You can have a hundred brothers, a hundred sisters. Every land that you step into can be a place that you receive with joy. I think this is what Jesus is talking about. You saw the disciples, and they were able to give up their lives. Why were they able to give up their lives? Because they possessed nothing. It wasn't mine in the first place, so you can have it, I guess, if you want to take it. (laughs) They were able to go at the drop of the hat. God, you want to send me there? Sure, I'll go. There's nothing holding me back. It is true freedom what the disciples have, right? And friends, um, there is uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. This echoes a lot of the stuff we were talking about. So I just want to read this because it might give you a little different perspective of all the things that we've been talking about. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that begs a very necessary question. What is your treasure? Because that's where your heart is going to be. If your treasure is God, that's where your heart will be. If your treasure is the things of this world, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart, your mind, your energy, your thoughts, you're not going to be able to stop. And then it goes on. It doesn't let us off the hook. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the things that are really worthwhile? Because it will give light to your whole body. And it says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I know that sounds like a pejorative, like, you know, God is telling you what not to do. Don't serve money. But friends, in other words, it's saying serve God. Don't love money as much as you love God. These other things get in the way of that. Now friends, I'm not saying that money is bad. But I'm saying that possessions will possess you. They will. They will. And there is not room for us to truly worship God as God. There cannot be two kings of your life. It doesn't work. In the same way that you cannot have two spouses, right? You can't. Try it. I mean, don't really try it, but, right? You don't believe me. Like, like you married your wife or you married your husband, you're like, you know what? Mm, there's just so much love to go around. <laughs> it's going to pick up another wife, another husband. Not going to work. It's not going to, that cannot be. You can only have one true love. And it must be God. Friends, this is how we can experience true freedom and peace and love and blessing. Friends, I just want to close with this. Remember what I said. To those who possess nothing, you can have everything. The true treasure is being free to love God and being loved by Him. So, can I ask the priest team to come up? And I just want to give you a moment to reflect on that. You may not be, believe me, friends. And, and this actually doesn't worry me. <laughs> you may not believe me because you're so caught up in the game that that's all you know. Or, even worse for you, by the way, is you're winning the game. Just like this rich young man. He was winning, right? And so he's like, mm, can't give this up. Walks away from Jesus. It's crazy. But that's why Jesus says how hard it is for the rich, for people who have so many possessions, so many things that are holding them captive to enter in the kingdom of God. It's not talking about heaven after you die. It's talking about the place where God can rule where God is your king. Why? 
Because you cannot have two kings. You can't. So friends, if you're winning the game, I just want to simply say this to you. When you start to lose, <laughs> when you realize that your riches will not deliver what they promise, when something happens where you experience that little death to yourself, remember what you heard here today. This world cannot give you what God wants to give you. To have all things. To have the freedom to be loved by God. Friends, we're so caught up in this game, so caught up in trying to get approval, so caught up in trying to prove something. Oh, look at my nice stuff. Look at my nice degrees. Look at my title. Look at my status. Love me. Respect me. And secretly, other people are just envying you and hating on you, and they can't be happy for you. But when we cannot hold on to those things, friends, you can have all things. You can be happy for the people around you. You can experience the joy of being able to give. And yes, friends, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we're all going to be beggars. Right? God does provide. That is very clear. I'm not saying you're going to be poor. Maybe those things are possessing you. And maybe what God wants to give you more than any of that stuff is His actual loving presence. So let's just take a moment to reflect and we'll go into our closing Friends, maybe we'll just let the closing song be a prayer. So you guys, I'm just going to sit down. Just after a moment, Eric, if you just go into the closing prayers. to put our treasure in you and worship you alone.